pray and then we'll begin and we'll get you out of here before it becomes 20 below. I've been cold all day. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word brings truth and light and faith in our hearts. We thank you, Lord God, that you'll give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to just pick up from where Micah left off. And we're going to talk about, he talked about being spirit-filled. He talked about the spirit, soul, and body. He talked about um, speaking in tongues. And I'm going to talk tonight about 10 reasons believers should speak in tongues. And we're going to look up a lot of scripture. So if you have your Bibles, get ready. If not, just hang in there and I'll read them all. So let's look at, um, if you have your Bible, Mark 16. The thing that I have noticed in the last few years more than anything, and it's just alarming, is how people will take scripture and they cherry pick it out of context and try to make it say what they want it to say. They want it to conform to their ideals, their desires, and that. And so when we read the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, it's very important that we measure what we read by the Word of God. So if you take one scripture, it needs to line up with the rest of the scripture. You just can't pull it out and make it something else. And you have to understand the context it is written in, because sometimes it seems like it will contradict itself. It'll say, you know, blessed are the poor. And people take that and think they just should never have any money. But yet every other scripture talks about the blessing of God makes one rich. He adds no sorrow to it. Um, He'll supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you have to weigh it according to other scriptures. And you also have to read what the purpose of it is what it was written for. So we're going to look a lot tonight in the in the letters from um, that are written to the New Testament church, Romans up to Revelation, and they were written for the New Testament church. And so we're going to look we're going to look at that, and we need to understand that's what they were for. They are for us, the New Testament church. So in Mark sixteen. Verses 14 through 20, it says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So the first reason that we have listed for speaking in tongues is that it is supernatural evidence of the spirit's indwelling. And he talks about here that it is a sign. When I was born again, I was about 14 years old and there was a revival in Silver Creek, Nebraska, and I had never been very interested in going to church. My mom went to church. My dad didn't. We went fishing and that was better. 
I thought. Anyway, but I just got radically saved. That was like in March. And that May, the Methodists always do their shift, and they brought in a new pastor to our church in Monroe. And they weren't there very long, and they were just an old kind of frumpy couple, but there was something about them. And so one day I just rode my bike to town. I went and knocked on their window. They invited, or on their door, they invited me in and I said, I got born again. I'm saved, but there is something missing. There's something that I'm not just, there's just something missing. And they said, we know what it is. And they explained just very briefly the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they prayed for me. And they said, Tonight, you'll wake up in the middle of the night, and you'll just pray in tongues. I didn't even know what the infilling of the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know what praying in tongues was. Nothing. Nothing. So that night, I went home, went to bed, woke up in the middle of the night, and just started praying in tongues. Had no clue. But I knew. From that point on, I knew that was the something that I was missing. I just knew that I knew that I knew that. So it is the evidence of the Spirit's indwelling. And they explained more as we went on. They were there for five years, and they were a blessing to me. But but it was just evidence. I didn't know what the Spirit's indwelling was, but I knew when I had it. And it was evidence to me. In Luke 24... Verse 49, it says, this is Jesus speaking again. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So all these are leading up. He's telling them about the Holy Spirit that's coming and that they need to wait for it. And then in John chapter 20, Verses 21 and 22. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he was telling them about them. He was giving them what that there, there was a Holy Spirit, but they didn't really comprehend or understand. But then let's go to Acts chapter 2. And they went and they tarried and they prayed. And then in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and they were all filled, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then the people, there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So he, Jesus had been leading up to this, and then he was he had gone away, and he told them to wait for it, and they did, and when it came, they knew. There was evidence of it. So that... One reason for speaking in tongues is is a supernatural evidence of the Spirit's indwelling. And there's more scriptures. You can go through when uh, they go to Cornelius' house and different things. There was evidence. They knew something when they met them because there was that evidence. Number two, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, 
says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So the second reason to speak in tongues is to edify yourself. The best description of it is it's like hooking up and charging a battery. And when you pray in tongues, it's like it charges that internal battery, that spirit man. It builds that up. It edifies that. In 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 12, or verse 12 through 19, it says, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification or building up of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in the tongue pray that he may interpret. For if you pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather have you speak five words with your understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So the reason, the one thing that people misunderstand and get confused, there are two real purposes for tongues. One is for private edification and one is for public use and so when we pray in tongues on our own that is for building ourselves up that is our personal prayer language for praying for personal edification for building ourselves up and people get the two confused and he talks about um in verse 12 even so since you are zealous for spiritual gifts let it be for the building up of the church that you seek to excel so it will when we pray in our private prayer language we will build ourselves up in our most holy faith praying in the holy spirit but when it's used in tongue in in a private a public service and it's used in order, proper order, it is there to build up the church. So when you're in church service, if you're praying in tongues, it needs to be for building up the church. Otherwise, you need to pray privately. And so we need to understand it is for edification, either for the body or for us privately. Now let's turn to John 14. John 14, verses 16 and 17. This is Jesus speaking again. He says, And I will pray the Father, and he will send you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. Praying in tongues helps us to be conscious of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. It says, I will be with you. I will give you another helper. I will send you the Spirit of truth. And as we pray in other tongues, it helps us to be more aware where Micah talked about the difference between our spirit 
our soul and our body, it helps us be more aware of our spirit. It helps us to realize and, and be more conscious of our spirit man rather than giving all of our attention to our emotions and our physical body. Praying in tongues help us, helps us to be conscious of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. Number four, praying in tongues keeps our prayers in line with God's will in Romans chapter 8. Praying in tongues keeps our prayers in line with God's will. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. When you're praying in tongues, you are praying the perfect will of God because it is your spirit praying as being led by this Holy Spirit within you. And it's not in your head. It's coming out of your heart. It's coming out of the Spirit of God. So it's in line with the Word of God because too many times we can just get in our head and we get emotional. We try to force things to happen. Try, You know, I've known people try to control other people. We've had people through the years and say, I was praying for you to da 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 Well, that wasn't even in our heart. They had no business doing that. They were in their head. But when we pray in the Spirit, you know you're praying the perfect will of God. So 826 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So there's times you deal with situations and you just, what do I pray? What needs to be happening here? What needs to break break open? What needs does this person need? I have no clue. But the Spirit of God does. So if we pray, you know, just, Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray for this individual. And I don't know what their need is specifically. I don't know what you want to do in their lives. But I'll just ask, Holy Spirit, that you use me to pray for them. And as you do that, you know that you are praying the perfect will of God. When we pray, it is our spirit, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit in us, praying and it's spirit to spirit so your spirit is praying by the holy spirit within you praying in tongues bypasses the mind the will and the emotions and it keeps selfishness at bay because you know we can pray selfish prayers we can pray try to figure everything out and we need to sometimes just depend on the spirit of god and allow him to do that in jude chapter 20 or verse 20. Got to find Jude. Hold on. Can't find it. It's lost in here. Give me your Bible. I'm not going to sit there. Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, faith. Faith, praying in tongues 
helps us to build our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we have, when you pray in tongues, you have to do it by faith. Because it really makes no sense mentally. And so when you learn to trust God and the Holy Spirit within us to pray, then we have to, we're exercising our faith to just speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. So faith, faith is what pleases God. So as we step out and pray in other tongues, we're building ourselves up in our most holy faith. We're practicing using our faith. We are walking in faith. First Corinthians 14. Verse 28. It says, this is talking about order in church meetings. I'll start with verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. It isn't saying here you should all have a psalm, a teaching, a tongue. It's saying how come you do? It's out of order. He said, but all things need to be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three the most, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So when you speak to yourself, Speak to yourself and to God. That's really the purpose of your private prayer life. Speaking to yourself and to God. Just a private thing between the two of you. And so you can speak to God and yourself quietly without disturbing others. You can do that at church, at work, in a crowd. So when you're, it says, let him keep silent in church. Let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, he's speaking to himself or God, but he's not doing it loudly. And see, you know, the example I was thinking of was um, last month or a couple weeks ago at the school board meeting when they were going to appoint, interview and appoint a new school board member. And we were sitting there and listening, and you really didn't know one from the other. But they each got their little interview, and then the the current school board members each sat and discussed it, and they had to vote, and they had to have three of them vote to pass for it. And they voted, and they couldn't get enough votes to get any one, so then they had to go back and discuss it again, and it seemed like it was going south. I thought they were leaning toward the most liberal of the liberal ones, and I'm starting to go, get that twitch, get that twitch. So, so I, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was feeling, I was feeling frustrated. So I just was sitting there. It was getting long. Sit down there, Ben, put my hand over my mouth and start praying in tongues. I said, Father, I don't know how, what's going to happen here. You need to turn this situation around and just quiet. Nobody knew we were praying in tongues, but all of a sudden out of the blue, they switched. The one, last person I expected to switch and vote for the one that got appointed voted for it, just out of the blue. Now, I, I don't know that person. I don't know how liberal, how conservative, what it is. But I thought she was probably our best shot at that point in time. But you just you get to that point, and, and you can do that. You can pray 
quietly. You don't have to yell. There's a time to be loud. There's a time to use your authority. But there's a time. It's just as effective many times, a lot of times, to pray quietly where nobody knows that you're pr- you're praying. Just when you come into a situation and you're in a bad situation and there's a lot of people around, you can pray quietly in in the Holy Spirit. So let him speak to himself and God. You can speak to God and yourself quietly without disturbing others. You can do that at church, at work, in a crowd. So let him speak to himself and to God is number six. Number seven, it enables you to pray for the unknown. In Romans chapter eight, 26 and 27. says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So he's talking about we can pray, and I talked about this a little bit before, but it will help you to enable you to pray for the unknown. Just like at the school board meeting, I didn't really know what to pray. Just stand up and say, you know, whatever. But just pray quietly. The Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows what certain people have need of. The Holy Spirit, when you're in a hospital room with somebody that's sick, how do you pray for them? Pray quietly. Pray in the Spirit. The Spirit Allow the Spirit of God to pray through you and use you. So, number seven, it will enable you to pray for the unknown. I know I've heard a lot of stories where people have just quickened to pray for something. They don't even know what they're praying for. And then later they find out that somebody was in a a desperate situation and they were praying for them. So it will enable us to do that. It, It supersedes our mind. Number eight, praying in tongues gives spiritual refreshing. This is back. He's referring to praying in tongues in Isaiah. Isaiah 28 Verses 11 and 12. For with the stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest in which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. The word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. In other words, there is so much going on in the world. There's so much going on in your day. There's so much going on, and we need to be refreshed, not just mentally refreshed, not just physically refreshed. God expects us to rest, but our spirit men need to be refreshed. And so, you know, I encourage you, take time every day, every week, and just, Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus, and I'm just going to pray in the spirit to build myself up in my most holy faith, just praying in the spirit as a refreshing to strengthen myself in you and just take time and just pray quietly. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't, you know, it can be when you're driving, but it's a spiritual refreshing and everybody needs that. First Corinthians, we'll go back to first Corinthians chapter 14. This is number nine. 
verses 15 through 17. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. I will also sing with the other standing. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. What he's saying here, what he's saying here is that when you pray in the spirit, you give thanks well. You know, we need to be thankful, thankfulness and gratitude towards God. But our spirit man sometimes just needs to release that gratitude and thankfulness. So when you pray in the spirit, when you sing in the spirit, you are giving thanks well. So number nine, give thanks well. Number 10 in James 3, 8. So we've gone through um, from the Old Testament, through the gospels, through the epistles, And they're all lining up with these things and talking about speaking in tongues. It is not just a one-time thing. James 3.8 says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. This is a biggie. But speaking in tongues helps to bring our tongue under subjection. By praying in tongues, we we yield our most unruly member to God. There are times you get frustrated, just like the like the night at the school board meeting. I was getting frustrated, and you can say things out of line, out of order. You can jump in and just out of frustration and and just. Or say it sharp or whatever. But the more we pray in tongues, it helps us to control our tongue. It helps to control our temper. It helps us to do those things. So it's important. You know, I can tell. I can keep my emotions under control a lot better when I've been praying in tongues on a you know regular basis than when I haven't been. So it's important that we do that thing. We pray in tongues to yield ourselves over to the Holy Spirit. It isn't just for a demonstration in church, but really the principal reason for praying in other tongues is for our own personal edification, building up, and help. Now, these 10 things primarily deal with tongues in the individual as they believe in their private life. But a lot of people do not understand, I talked about this, the difference between private and public tongues and the abuse and the and misuse of the gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we've been there a lot. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. It says, Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification or building up of the church that you seek to excel. excel. So when tongues is used in a public setting, It should be to build up the rest of the body, not to disrupt them, not to create confusion, not to build yourself up. You can do that on your own and you can do that quietly. But when it's in a public setting, it should be used to build up the body. Um, Spiritual gifts in a public setting are for the edification or building up of the church, the body of believers, speaking in a tongue. And it talks about, you can read through that, without an interpreter 
or disrupting people, believers or unbelievers, during a service or any time does not build up the church. Therefore, it is out of order. The Holy Spirit does not force you to do anything. That's one another thing that people misunderstand. They'll say, well, I had to. I know the one night, I think it was the last night. Yeah, Mario, one time. But, but the last night of the Lord of Hosts convention. Pastor Hank had been ministering, did a wonderful service a message, and it got real quiet. And all of a sudden, somebody up in the rafters started yelling out in tongues. It wasn't building up the rest of the body. It was causing disruption. It was causing, the spirit actually lifts. It grieves the Holy Spirit. He just went, shh, and he had to, yeah, strongly. And then somebody else started it. So, but we need to understand that wasn't building up the body. Speaking in tongues without an interpreter is a disruption. And people, believers or unbelievers, uh, during a service or any time, if it does not build up the church, we should not do it. Therefore, it is out of order. The Holy Spirit does not force you to do anything. And people like that will say, I just came upon me and I had to do it. No. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he will never force you to do anything. He expects you to control it yourself. He expects you to control the Spirit yourself. That that. Spirit yourself. You can do it quietly. You don't have to disrupt other people. There is a right time and a right way to speak in tongues in public. And there's three things here. So um, when people receive the Holy Spirit publicly, they speak in other tongues. So if we have people come up here and we pray for them and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues there, that is a perfect time for speaking in tongues in a public service. The church is, number two, the church is edified by tongues and interpretation. So there's a difference between private tongues and public tongues. And when it's public, it needs to have, they you need to have an interpreter. So Pastor Hank and Brenda are about the best example that we all know of. Um, Hank will give the, in, the tongue and Brenda will give the interpretation. And so that brings understanding so when you you give prophecy prophecy is in english or in your known language and it's it brings edification exhortation and comfort tongues and interpretation in a public setting is for the same purpose the difference is and kenneth hagan always said this prophecy is like a dime and tongues and interpretation are each a nickel Together, they make 10 cents. They make the same amount, the same as prophecy. So you have to, it's better to prophesy if in that kind of position. But if you're going to do the tongues and interpretation, they need to be together. Now, um, when operating with interpretation, it can convince an unbeliever of the reality and presence of God. So like when Pastor Hank and Brenda prophesy, give a tongue and interpretation, it is also as a sign to other people, to unbelievers, but it has to be done in order with the interpreter. Number three, when a group of believers are gathered together for prayer specifically, and you know everybody has some understanding, then that is fine. We can come together and pray in tongues. In verse Corinthians, 
Acts 14, verses 26 through 23, 26 through 33. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most in each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of disorder or confusion, but of peace, as it is in the churches of the saints. So in other words, it needs to be in order. But when a group of believers are praying together, and everybody's in understanding, that's fine. This is what, I'm going to conclude with this. This is what Kenneth Hagin said about this, how he deals with it. He says, Jesus said, in these signs shall follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. That can be private or public. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That can be private or public. Another sign is they shall speak with new tongues. Of course, we don't want to prolong, we don't want prolonged praying in tongues in the service because unless there is an interpretation, folks don't know what is said and they are not edified. It is all right to pray in the altar service. Back then, you know, they would come up and they would come to the altar and they would pray kind of in the way we just pray tonight like before just come and and corporately and it is all right to pray in the altar service as long as you want for for you go there to get edified personally if everyone is lifting their hands and praying in the service it is all right for you to pray in tongues i stand on the platform and pray that way every night but when the congregation ceases praying i cease praying in other words, we need when you're in a corporate setting, it needs to be corporate prayer, not one person off doing their own thing. The congregation will not be edified if I went on and on. So we do need to know how to use what we have to our greatest advantage. So there are reasons in praying in tongues. I would not want to be without praying in tongues, but we need to have understanding in the word, and we always need to do it for edification, either ourselves privately or for the body publicly. But it's so that the body is edified and built up, not to be distracted, not be to be confused, not to be disorderly, but so that it's all in order and we can all be edified.